he conquered YouTube. Then, he was on Cadaver Lab. Next came Cinema Corpse. And then, he was on your mom. What? It totally happened. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast. www.krugernation.com Hello, this is Mr. Brad. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Hello once again, my beautiful Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. My name's Patrick, and I'm your host, and this is episode 40, and tonight, it seems I bit off more than I could chew when I went to a screening of Shark Night 3D, and I'm going to be regurgitating all my thoughts all over your business. And then, when faced with a natural disaster, what is my instinctual reaction? Watch a shitload of horror movies. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven quickie reviews to spew all over you. Get in, get out, I'm done. Listen to me yammering on. I can't be yakking like this now. We got too much show to do, so why don't I just shut up and do it? Well, right after this plug for myself. Whoa, meta. Hi there. This is Patrick from the Scream Queens Horror Podcast, and I'm asking you to please sponsor me as I take part in the first ever New York City Gay Men's Chorus Singathon. On Saturday, September 17th, in Jackson Square Park in New York City, the Gay Men's Chorus will be performing for four straight hours in order to help raise funds for our organization. The Chorus is not just a singing group, it's also a fundraising organization for other charities. We help raise funds to raise AIDS awareness and battle the disease by helping out organizations like GMHC or Friends in Need groups that help out LGBT youths that are in crisis or homeless, and also just to put out into the world positive gay role models. And I would be honored if you could help me out. Even a single dollar is going to do a hell of a lot of good. You can head on over to www.screamqueens.com, and that's Queens with a Z. There's a widget on the right-hand side to help you out. It'll take you right over to my personal donation page. And by the way, this is all tax deductible, and if you work for a corporation that does donation matching, then you can really help us out. And hey, if you're in the area, come on down, because not only are we going to be singing, we've got a flash mob going on. Details on the webpage. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another show, y'all. Uh, what's been going on, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Um, we had a hurricane. Yeah, on top of the earthquake and everything else that's going on, we had a hurricane. And I just got to tell you, it didn't occur to me right away because I, I thought this summer has been kind of a waste. I feel like I haven't accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish, too, and I was feeling kind of like a lazy bum. And then, you know, I started hearing all these people on the news, you know, these conservative folks saying that the gays caused the hurricane. And it turns out we caused the earthquake, too, and we're causing the economy to collapse. Gay marriage is causing the economy to collapse. The fiscal crisis is our fault. And all of a sudden I said, God damn it, I did get a lot done this year. Whew, I need a vacation. So anyway, back to Hurricane Irene. It turned out to be nothing by here. We were lucky. 
Uh, but the media had pumped it up so much, and I wasn't buying into it, because I know from past experience, the more they scream, the more likely it's going to be nothing. But, you know, we, we, we heeded some of the warnings, you know, and we decided, you know, well, yeah, we'll, we'll go and stock up on everything we need beforehand, and, you know, candles, and, and booze, and board games, and playing cards, and all that other stuff, and toilet paper, and... But we didn't go bananas, you know, because I saw people just losing their minds, just like beating the crap out of each other to get the last bottle of water on the shelves like it was going to be the apocalypse. But but we were lucky. I, I looked out the window at one point and I'm like, it's not even windy. The tree is moving. It got windy at some points, but for the most part, it was a ton of rain. But before I dismiss it all, I know some people got hit really hard. Betty, if you're listening, I did get your email. I got it the day after the hurricane. Betty lives in North Carolina, South Carolina. She lives in the Carolinas, and she sent me an email before the hurricane hit saying that she was very concerned about us up here and, you know, that she was scared about everything going on down there because she was right in the path as well. So, Betty, I hope you're okay. I love you. I'm sorry I didn't write back to you. Not because I don't love you. I'm a terrible person. I'm selfish and horrible. That's what I'm saying. But you guys have figured that out right now. It's a fucking solo podcast. How selfish can I be? I don't even share my goddamn airtime with anyone. So while the hurricane itself, the storm, was a disappointment, I did get to see a whole lot of movies as a result. And I'm going to tell you why. Well, picture this. Now, we're, we're stocking up, you know, disaster stuff, and, you know, but we're getting wine, and we're getting candles, and we're getting board games. We're talking about what we're going to do if the power goes out, because we're probably going to lose power. And I, I got some preconceived notions. I'm like, oh, well, this might be kind of romantic. It's just the two of us, and we'll be stranded, and, you know, the power will go out, and there'll be candles, and maybe we'll cuddle, or whatever. And then the storm hits, and the power doesn't go out. And Mr. Brad is a computer programmer, if you don't know. He's an IT wizard. And he started writing some code. He's been trying to learn something, some new system or something. And he got that look in his eyes where everything else goes away except what he's doing. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I was on my own for the majority of the hurricane. There was no cuddling. There was no snuggling. There was no nothing. And, you know, I tried to pull him away a couple of times, but he had that look. You know, I was talking to him, but the eyes kept darting back to the computer, so I knew it was a lost cause. And so I sat down in front of the TV and watched movie after movie after movie after movie after movie, praying that the power would go out. But alas, God damn it, Con Edison, the power did not go out. You're going to reap the benefits because I'm going to tell you what not to be watching and what you might want to check out. Personally, what's been going on, I've been smoke-free for a month. Yay, me! I've been off the patches. I'm pretty much off the dumb, dumb lollipops. I swear to God, if I see another one, I'm going to yak. The little guy in my head kicks up every now and then. He's like, psst, this would be a great time to go outside for a smoke. Just just, just smoke the one. You don't even have to smoke the whole thing. You can give the packet to a friend. I hear you. Be quiet. You're a bad man in my head. That sounds dirty, and that's okay. But no, 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 shh, shh, shh. Aside from that, I don't know what else has been going on. Since we do have a lot to get to, I don't want to be talking too much right now because it's going to be kind of a long show anyway, and Seder from the Seder Sphere is going to complain. I'm going to get a nasty note. Patrick, why is this show always so long? Some of us have other things to do. Yeah, like get his tips frosted. But, you know, who am I to judge? But I did just want to tell you one quick story, one of my subway stories. Gather round, children. It's story time. Okay. Mr. Bradford and I are on the subway. This couple is standing next to us. You know, we're, I'm seated. They're standing next to me. And I'm immediately struck by the man's attire. And when I mean struck, I mean like it was like a physical punch in the face. This guy, I can't even like, describe. He had on these bright 
green shorts, like short shorts. This is a man in his 40s. Short shorts. And he's round as a pair. And I, I, this seafoam green sweater with a tie. Okay, so short shorts and a sweater right there and a tie. Okay, it's already weird. And I know I'm not really painting the best picture of this because I got to tell you, I don't really notice when things clash. But this, those bright green shorts and this soft green sweater. Oh, my God. These weren't just clashing. They were rocking the casbah. It actually hurt my eyes. And I'm staring at him going, it's 95 degrees. Why are you wearing a sweater? And I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm like, okay, what is the logical reason why someone would be wearing short shorts and a sweater? I'm like, well, okay, maybe he was dressed for summer and he had the shorts on and he got chilly, so he threw on a sweater. I said, then why is he wearing a tie? Was he wearing short shorts and a tie? Because that doesn't make any sense, Patrick. I'm like, well, maybe he had the sweater and, and he took his pants off? No, none of this makes any sense and it's clash, 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 clash. Ah, but wait, there's more. And he's wearing the sandals and the dark socks, pulled up his knees, dark socks with stripes. It was very strange. So he looks like some bizarre cartoon character, and he's got the widest white legs I have ever seen. So between the bright green shorts and the bright white legs, my eyes are like sizzling in my skull. And poor Mr. Brad just had laser surgery, so he has, you know, he's got permanent dry eye anyway. And, you know, I see dust just blowing off of his eye, and I'm like, okay, don't look, honey, don't look, don't look. But it gets better, kids. And I'm looking at him, and of course, my first thought is German tourist. To my listeners out there from Germany, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but, you know, we've become a tourist city, New York has, and we can spot the tourists a mile off, and we can pretty much tell where they're from by what they're wearing. And this guy just, I don't know, screamed German tourist to me. And, you know, as the car cleared out a bit, they got closer, and I started to hear his conversation with his, um, his woman, and they were indeed German. You know, I took German in high school, so I recognized it. I'm like, yep, that's definitely German. And I'm looking up to see if we're, you know, the, the LED sign to see if our stop was coming up. And the guy turned around and looked me in the face. Now, I was seeing him from the back, so I didn't get the full effect. The guy turned around, he had this big chubby face and a Hitler mustache. A Hitler mustache! I'm sorry, it takes a huge set of balls to be from Germany? And to be sporting a Hitler mustache on the New York subway. Forget the freaky Tweedledee Tweedledum outfit. No, you know, don't forget it. The whole thing. I, I, the whole rest of the train ride home, I had my hands over my eyes. I'm like, I can't even look up, Brad. I can't even look up. This whole thing is an abomination to my soul. And I hate to give this out for something negative, but you, freaky German tourists in the Tweedledee outfit with the Hitler mustache, you are the scream queen of the week. Let me just say to the rest of you, that is not the way to win. It just means the rest of you have been slacking. But you know what? Time's a-wasting, and we got a lot of shit to get through. Um, in whole, the next whole section, I'm going to be blasting through quickie reviews of everything that I watched during the hurricane. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sit back, relax, fasten your safety belts, tape up your windows, lock up your liquor, ice your nipples, I don't know, and get ready for Quickies with Irene. Blow, Gabriel, blow. Oh. Go on and blow, uh, Ethel. Gabriel, uh, blow. Miss Merman, it was Hurricane Irene. I yeah, Hurricane Irene. Blow Irene blow. So blow Gabriel blow. Irene! I was low, Gabriel low. Are you not listening to me, bitch? I will cut your fat dead ass. Now since I have seen the light, I'm 
Say it right or you are fired! Fuck you! Okay, quickie number one is Quarantine 2 Terminal. Now, I was a huge fan of Quarantine, as you know, if you've been listening for a while. And I really had no intention of catching Quarantine 2, because, you know, it's a direct-to-DVD sequel, and they're usually awful. But you may remember, listener Trey called in and told us how much he enjoyed it. So I figured I would take his advice and watch this movie, which I did. Now, Trey, you have a lot writing on this, okay? Your cool points have been racking up. Like, you are, like, Fonzie cool right now. By influencing me into watching this movie, you are risking dropping to below Ralph Malf status. Okay? That much said, it was fun. It's not a great movie, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, I like that it dropped the whole um, handheld found footage thing. It was, it was kind of refreshing. I like that I didn't recognize anybody in the cast. That is also great, which was a problem with the first one. It's a lot of fun. For the most part, my beefs with it is, you know, it starts off on a plane, if you don't know. Uh, it, it carries on the story, but now it's on a plane heading, I don't know, somewhere, Baton Rouge. Let's say Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge, Cindy, Baton Rouge. You got your st- all your stock characters on there. You got the douchebag. You got a snotbag little kid. You got a rowdy southern fat guy. You got the black guy who cares about his laptop more than his life. And um, paraplegic doctor. All these other people. And, um... A lot of the fun is waiting for the virus to break out because you, you're given some red herrings on who's got it. You know, the pirate comes the pirate, the pirate, the pilot, sorry, the co-pilot comes in sniffling and his eyes are all fucked up and he's like, oh, you got some kind of cold. You're like, aha, he's got it. And then you see a couple other people coughing and sneezing and you're like, aha, they've got it. And somebody comes on with a cage full of hamsters, which are probably lab rats. And you're like, oh, that's how it's going to happen. And, and, you know, so that much is fun. And then when it finally breaks out, it's pretty awesome. But then the plane lands. I thought when it was on the plane, like, the claustrophobia was matching what was happening in the, in the first movie. Because in the first film, the first person camera actually put you in there. It put you into the whole scenario. So, you know, the walls closed in on you for a bit. And keeping it on the plane did that. But they landed it pretty quickly, and they're quarantined in a terminal. And after that, it's okay. The monsters don't pop up enough for me, but I gotta tell you, there is one special effect in here that if it does not have you squirming in your seat and screaming, oh god, no, Jesus, god, please stop, oh god, please stop, then there's something wrong with you. And for a uh, direct-to-DVD sequel, this is gold. You know, on, on a regular film level, it's not great, but for straight direct-to-DVD sequel, brilliant. Thank you, Trey. You were indeed, as Fonzie would say, correctamundo. Hey, who's next? Ah! Quickie number two is a movie called The Passing. Uh. Now, I stumbled across this one on pay-per-view, so I paid cash money for this one. And gotta tell you, the trailer looked great. And it's the story of these three rich brats whose grandmother has died, and they're inheriting all of her wealth and her state and whatever. However, the clause is that in order to uh, collect the cash and the inheritance, they must spend the weekend in her creepy old house. You know, the standard house on Haunted Hill scenario. But of course, quickly, you know, well, you know, the douchebag son, you know, they're all douchebags, but douchebag son number one realized, oh, it didn't say we have to spend it here alone. Let's have a party. So they invite a whole 
busload of douchebags and hoes to come spend the weekend with them, and they die horribly because uh, Grandma was a witch, and she's passing on the power to one of them. Which one, you ask? Who fucking cares? This movie was awful. Now, fortunately, it's not available on Netflix. As of this date, it is not available on Netflix. And Googling it, I can't find shit about it. I had her look forever just to find a goddamn trailer to put on the webpage for you kids, for your protection, so you know not to watch this one. The passing? What are you passing? Gas? No, no, no. That would have been far too entertaining. This movie was like passing black stool. You know, it smells really bad, and it hurts to get through to the end of it. When Mr. Brad heard the title, he thought it was going to be about mulattoes trying to pass for whites. He's from the South. You really got to excuse him. But, you know, that's what he thought. And even that would have been more entertaining than this piece of shit. Ah! I don't know what the fuck was going on in this movie. It had a little bit of mirrors going on. You know, the movie Mirrors because there's like demons or some shit in the mirrors, I think. And... There's a creepy caretaker who's got, like, I don't understand anything that he's doing at all. I don't understand the character or why he's there. And there's a monster running around as well that's really somebody's son. And I don't know what the fuck was going on. I could not wait for it to be over. And it never, ever was. The passing. Pass it by. Next. Ah. Quickie number three. The Reef. The Reef. The Reef. The Reef is on fire. We don't need no water because we're in the fucking ocean. Swim, motherfucker. Swim. Now, after the trauma that was inflicted uh, of me watching The Passing, I was done. I'm like, I can't watch anything else. But then I'm on the Twitter, and I saw Fozzie Bear from the podcast podcast and Emily from Deadly Dolls blog raving about this movie called The Reef that was on Netflix Instant View. So I said, okay. The winds are blowing, the rains are coming down. What else am I going to do? So I checked it out, and I'm glad I did. This one's a lot of fun. This is an Australian movie, and it's a fairly straightforward man versus shark film. Um, these uh, five friends go out on a boat. The boat capsizes, and their only choice is to swim back to land or go down with the boat. The only problem is there's a shark. Plain, simple. That's all you need to know. However, even though it's a simple story... It really manages to uh, ratchet up some very, very tense moments and some palpable suspense. And there's beautiful cinematography and wonderfully scored, and the actors are really good. This is a fun little movie. And for a Netflix instant watch film that I had never even remotely heard of before, I was pleasantly surprised. My only beef with it is a totally personal one. It won't affect any of you. The guy that plays the lead in it, the guy who takes all these people out on the boat, he looks like an old boss of mine who is A, a huge skeeve ball, and B, completely untrustworthy. Always, always out for a scam at any opportunity. Always bullshit spewing out of his mouth. So anytime we showed this guy, I'm immediately like, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. He's up to something. He's going to get them all killed. He's doing that wrong. He's going to do something to her food. He's putting date rape drugs in her food. That's what he's doing. He's in league with the shark. That's what he's doing. Mr. Brad's like, that, that, that's not really him, you know. I don't care. It looked just like him. The only other beef with the film is that there was all, he was the one when they're swimming out. He's the only one who's got a snorkel mask. So he keeps looking under the water to see if he can see the shark or anything or whatever. And so there's lots of really tight close-up shots of him under the water with holding breath face. So I'm like, you've got your big, skeevy, beady bug eyes and your lips are all like, and I just want to punch you in your face. I hope the shark comes and eats your face. 
But again, you won't have that experience when you watch the film. That is totally my personal coloring of it. Did it keep me from liking it? Not at all. This is a fun movie. I recommend it. Since I didn't have a lot to say about this one because it was so simple and it was just flat out good, and I don't want to spoil anything, let me tell you a little story. This is about my mom. Now, those of you who've been listening for a while, you've heard some stories about my mom. You kind of you have your little picture of my mom. You know, she's a Long Island woman, and she was very much a product of the fifth. You know, she was raised to be a housewife, so she might not be particularly book smart, but she's life smart. That much said, I remember when I was a child, we were playing Boggle. You know, the word game Boggle. It was me, my mother, and her incredibly stupid friend, Lily Bell. Yeah, Lily Bell. Yeah, Lily Bell. For reals. Whatever you're picturing in your mind right now, you're exactly right. And I may be seven or eight years old. And if you don't know the game, well, I'm not going to explain it to you, but it's a fucking word game. Fucking figure it out. I put down the word reef, like the title of this film, like a coral reef. R-E-E-F. Lily Bell challenged. Said, that's not a word. And my mother looked her dead in the face and said, of course it is, Lily Bell. A reef, you know, like you hang on the door at Christmas time. Swear to God. But the reef, the movie, watch it, it's awesome. Next! Ah! Quickie number four, choose. As Ralph Wiggums said at his finest, you choo choo choose me. And it has a picture of a train. Anyway. Now, I had seen a trailer for Choose a while back, and I said, this looks like it could be really good, or it could be really bad. And it popped up on Netflix Instant Watch, and I was still riding high off the reef, and I said, let's go, let's do it. And so I picked it. Now, the story here is there's this serial killer on the loose in the city, and his thing is he forces his victim to make a choice. But it's never the same choice, you know, it, it, depends on the, it, it depends on the victim. Now, in the opening sequence, the opening sequence alone is worth watching the movie because it is really intense, it's really well shot, it's very scary. Um, this teenage girl is at home with her family, you know, it's nighttime, you know, she's doing a little internet thing. She goes to get a snack, and when she comes back, she gets pounced on. It turns out the whole rest of her family is being held captive in the master bedroom. The parents are tied up, and the killer tells her that she has to choose which one of her parents is going to die. Is it going to be her mother or is it going to be her father? And if she doesn't make a choice, he's going to kill all of them. This is bad enough and it's agonizing. And when she finally makes her choice, I'm not telling you who she chooses, he hands her the knife and says, get to work. He's going to force her to do the dirty work herself, which was hideous. Now, unfortunately, the rest of the movie does not live up to that. Um, but it's about this young uh, uh, college student who's planning on becoming a journalist. Her dad is the is is the uh, chief of police, played by Kevin Pollack, and she's you know she winds up you know playing Scooby Doo and, and helping him out with you know the solving this case, and um, she's more closely related to it than she would ever have thought. There are a few more attacks, and each one are really quite cruel and alarming. The problem is the last reel of the film; it just falls apart. Really unsatisfying cliche TV movie kind of ending to a movie that otherwise was pretty intense and rather intelligent and, and engaging. It just copped out in the last reel. So while I can't recommend it, I don't not recommend it. It had, Just because it had some really, really gruesome, effective moments and a lot of tension and the mystery was fun to solve along with her. It's just that the solution sucks wang and not even in a fun way. Choose. You choose if you want to watch it. 
next! Ah! Quickie number five, The Inheritance. Now, I picked this one because uh, I had been looking at it on Netflix since I watched it. I was like, should I watch it? Should I watch it? Should I watch it? Should I watch it? I looked at the reviews and they weren't good. However, I was listening to the last episode of the Night of the Living podcast, podcast, and on their um, straight-to-video Russian roulette segment, Erica and Chizak were assigned to watch this, and they both really enjoyed it. So I said, far out. I trust both of them. I'll watch it. Fuck you two! Fuck you both! This movie was so fucking bad! And it's an annoying kind of bad because it had so much going for it. It had a great cast. It had good actors. It had a cool location. It had a great atmosphere. It had an okay idea, but it just didn't put any of it together in the proper way. Uh, it's an African-American horror film. It's about this family reunion. Uh, it's all these cousins coming together to meet with their elders. The elders. Do you hear the capitalization in that? It turns out sinister things are afoot. Now, I hadn't watched the trailer in advance, and plus, uh, Chizak and Erica didn't spoil it. So, I didn't know the secret, so the mystery of finding out the secret was kind of fun. However, if you watch the trailer, they blow it all in the first ten seconds of it uh, to find out exactly what's going on here. And for a while, I was interested. I, I liked the relationships. I thought the tension between everybody was nice, and I liked some of the characters, and... <laughs> I have to also appreciate when they arrive at this uh, cabin in, in the middle of nowhere in the, in the winter, in the woods, in the snow. The elders are not there. They've just left a note on the bar along with a crate of champagne. And in the crate of champagne is a bag of reefer. I'm like, I like these elders. They're all right. And this, uh, the one part of the movie that I found very effective, uh, this first night they're drinking the champagne and they're smoking the reefer. And somebody finds a drum, like an ancient drum, and they start fooling around with it. Also, somebody had found a book and he was reading aloud from it while people were smoking reefer and playing the drum. And all of a sudden, you started to feel click, 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 like the wheels of fate clicking like this is all supposed to be happening. The girls are dancing and all of a sudden, their, their dance is becoming more tribal and the whole thing becomes hallucinatory. Like this is some ceremony that had to happen that they are, they are holding involuntarily. Unfortunately, the rest of the movie is just incomprehensible. And it's really disappointing because they had so much going for it. So the inheritance just don't bother. Even for Keith David fans, he's 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 a real dick in this. The inheritance. Uh, can I get a gift certificate instead? Next. Ah! Quickie number six. Atrocious. Now I don't know what I was thinking. It's got to be two o'clock in the morning on Saturday night at this point. My eyeballs are bleeding from watching so many movies. I'm exhausted. And again, I'd seen the trailer for this one. There's a lot of press going on for this film in New York right now because it's, uh, it's in uh, some limited release. It made a big splash over at the Slamdance Film Festival the, where, where Paranormal Activity made its big splash. And, and there's just been a lot of buzz about it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to watch this right now. I didn't see it. Here's the th okay. My other warning was that the, movie's, it the movie is called Atrocious. It's called Atrocious, and I always say when you have a title like that, you really have to prove that you're not atrocious. You know, like just like on Broadway last season, there was a show called Time Stand Still. I'm like, I hope your show is not boring, because all the, all the reviews are going to be like, Time Stand Still, huh? More like, Time Drop Dead. But this is not the point right now. Atrocious, it's a Spanish film, and it's, it's a handheld Blair Witch style type thing, more like Paranormal Activity. Uh, the story is that this whole family was murdered, was found murdered in this country house, 
and 36 hours of found footage were uh, well found. And it focuses mostly on the brother and sister of this family who fancy themselves paranormal investigators in a Scooby-Doo kind of way. And they've been stuck out at this fucking house for the summer and there's nothing to do there. They become fascinated. There's a local legend about a girl named Marissa, I think. No, Melinda, who as legend has it, got lost in the woods and was never found. But if you get lost in the woods at night, she will appear to you and show you the way home. Now, behind their house is a gated hedge maze. Now, this is a source of fun. For a while, they're out there with the cameras. And while they're out there futzing around, they stumble across this old abandoned well. Now, the, the story had said that possibly Melinda had fallen down a well. And they're like, oh my god, this is Melinda's well. <laughs> well, shortly after that, things start to go bunko. And I mean, you don't really need to know anything else at this point. Here was the problem with this thing, kids. Here's your lesson. I watched it on the internet. I did not download it. But I watched it on one of those sites where you can see movies. And here's my downfall. I can't judge this movie at all. Because the subtitle track on the copy that I was watching was so fucked to the gills, it almost made watching it completely impossible. No, it did make it impossible because it was, the translations were not even remotely close to English. I mean, it was like broken sentences and, um, you know, it, I was trying to figure out, wait, who's talking to who? What are you trying to say? So I feel like I missed half the story and you know, the relationships because I said that, know what all those words meant in that sentence, but just not together. Case in point. An ongoing, let's say, joke in the film, unintentional joke based on these subtitles, was every now and then the kid would be saying, Ah, drugs! Drugs! We're in deep drugs now! And I started to realize somebody mistranslated shit to the word drugs, which led to sentences like, God, it smells like drugs in here! Oh, girl, your hair looks like drugs! No, that one didn't happen, but... You see my point. At some point, this kid's running through the head maze going, Oh, drugs! 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 So I'm laughing my head off. And um, I don't know. I can't really review this movie. Uh, it seemed like there was, based on what I saw, it seemed like there's a lot of running through the woods. Like just one person running through the woods. Just camera bobbing, camera bobbing, camera bobbing, camera bobbing for probably 10 minutes. And I was getting bored with it. And, you know, if you're one of those people that gets seasick, this is definitely not the movie for you. Because I was starting to get, a, not seasick, but it's just starting to hurt my eyes. Uh, I've heard in other reviews, because uh, I started to look it up afterwards to see if I had some, if all copies were translated like this. And people who've seen it on the big screen say that it's very effective up there, that it, it, it just is very un... I don't know. I can't say. I haven't seen it. So why, why am I talking about other people's reviews? Atrocious. Might be atrocious. It might not be. Or it could just be a piece of drugs. Next! Ah! And the final film I have to talk about in the Hurricane Quickie section is Fright Night 3D. Now, you're probably surprised I'm putting this in the quickie section since it was a major theatrical release, but uh, it's been out a while, I've been late to the game, and I, I, I didn't dislike it, but I didn't like it either. It just, after the movie was over, I couldn't really remember a lot of it. It just didn't leave much of a taste in my mouth. Even not comparing it to the original, it just didn't, well, like as Trey said, didn't have any atmosphere, didn't have any style, and to compare it with the original, didn't have a lot of humor, didn't have a lot of, you know, seduction or that romantic vampire factor. And where was all the homoerotic stuff? Because I'm sorry, the original movie is gay, 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 gay. I mean, regardless of the fact that Stephen Jeffries became a porno star, you have Roddy McDowell in it. 
If you have Roddy McDowell in anything, immediately the movie is gay, 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 gay. And plus, just there was always something between Charlie and Jerry that was very intense and almost sensual. The way, you know, they're just staring at each other always through the bedroom window. And one would come to the other's bedroom and having all these private moments that they couldn't tell anybody about. There's just something a little gay about that. And then, of course, you have Amanda Bierce in it, who, by the way, is another one of... My favorite lesbians! I mean, aside from the fact... That she was on Married with Children and is an open lesbian. She's also a great comedy director right now. She directs for the uh, a Big Gay Sketch Show. She she just worked with the incredible Leslie Jordan directing his uh, video version of his stage show, My Life on the Pink Carpet, which I highly recommend, but we'll talk about that later. And um, I don't know. They're just It just seems like the remake was so concerned with being awesome that it, it lost something. It just was so slick. And I don't know, like even even Evil Ed, McLovin wasn't even McLovin. And I'm sorry if McLovin winds up doing gay porn like the first Evil Ed, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I don't know what I'm out of, but I'm just out. First of all, this Evil Ed wasn't in the movie enough. And when he came back as a vampire, it was just like, eh, I don't know. Although I have to say our dear little friend across the ocean, Mr. Woody, admitted to me that when they said the line, Oh, you're so cool, Brewster! In the remake, that he shouted out loud with glee in the middle of the movie theater. And then he confessed that he was, in fact, a total douche. And I agreed with him. Woody, you are a total douche for doing that. But you know what? You're our douche. You're our douche international. And we love you for that. And my, this, this brings up, another, not douching, but this brings up another one of the problems with the modern horror movie, is that the A-list stars all the time. You, know, you got Colin Farrell, and you got uh, the guy from Doctor Who, and you got, uh, what's her name? Muriel, whose name uh, escapes me at the moment. When you cast A-listers, they have a certain amount of baggage that comes with them. Expectations. You know, they take roles that fit their type. So you kind of know already what they're going to do. You kind of already know what you're in for. There's really not a lot of surprises with the performance. They never really become the character. It's always like, oh yeah, Colin Farrell was awesome as a vampire. And you never really remember it was... Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, forget it. But there was something about when it was unknowns or lesser knowns. There was that unpredictability to the role or where, where things were going to go. But anyway, I'm babbling. Friday night... You can see it if you want to. It's not bad. I just didn't... It didn't stick with me. What was bad was the CGI. Oh, come on. Come on. Well, sometimes it was alright, but I'm sorry. The big reveal of Jerry's true face at the end of the movie... I'm sorry. To me, it looked like a live-action version of Mr. Mackey's head from South Park. It just, like, was this balloon head with fangs. Not working. I mean, Colin Farrell was just a... He, he, he was mean in this. He was never sexy. I mean, he was physically sexy, but uh, Chris Sarandon, who I don't find physically attractive at all, in that movie, was sexy. He was seductive. You're like, okay, okay, I can get behind this. Or you can get behind me if you prefer. And there was all that level of seduction. He seduced his way into the house. There's that whole dance scene uh, with, uh, on, in the dance club, seducing Amy. And then later on in the bedroom, when she's in the nightgown, seducing Amy again. It's damn sexy. This, he was just a sh- Well, he's a shark. I just, I guess, is my theme for the evening. This is my third shark reference for this whole fucking show. And that's fine, but it takes some of the fun out of it. Because, you know, when a vampire is seducing, he's playing with his food. Like a cat. And cats are awesome. Not that sharks aren't awesome. I'm babbling.
Friday night. Check it out if you want to. And by the way, see it in 2D. The 3D ain't for shit. Next! I said next! Oh, that's right. We're done. Cue the music. S-H-A-R-K-N-I-T Night S-H-A-R-K-N-I-T N-I-T Forget it, I can't even spell today uh, We're here to talk about Shark Night 3D today The latest ass buster to come out I mean, uh, summer blockbuster to come out I mean, what else can I say about it? I, 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 why don't I just play the trailer? Because it's exactly what it sounds like Four days all alone on an island? Oh, it's gonna be a good weekend Sharks doing here. I'm not just gonna sit here and watch him die. Shark Knight 3D. Rated PG 13. Also showing in 2D. Okay, kidlets, so that's Shark Knight 3D. Sorry I had to use the TV 30 second trailer, but the actual theatrical trailer, 75% of it was just, you know, peppy pop music and stingers. Dun! Dun, 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 and no dialogue. I figured, why subject you to that? Because you already know what's going on. It's all pretty much laid out for you right there. There's a bunch of um, college kids go out to um, one girl's island in the middle of this lake for the weekend and get eaten by sharks. Now, against my better judgment, I went to see this with the guys from the Dark Side Horror Movie Meetup group, like I do all the time. Let me get something straight. I never had any inclination, not even the slightest bit of hope that this was going to be a good movie. But it seemed like, based on the trailers that were coming out, that it was at least going to be campy, you know, so bad it's fun kind of a movie. And seeing anything with the dark side, folks, always makes it that much better. So I figured, what the hell? You only live once, right? Yeah, so we go opening night. Now you gotta understand, the theater that we normally go to, the Kipps Bay, it's on the east side of town, which is, it, it's not as, it, there's not as much tourist traffic, there's not as much nightlife down there, so normally things are not as crowded, and the crowds tend to be more well-behaved, because Lord knows, if you go to see a movie in Times Square, or, um, you know, Union Square, uh, shit can be crazy, you know, it can be rowdy, and whatever, and plus this was a PG-13 movie, so that means the kids are gonna be able to stay out late and come see it, if you know what I mean. Of course you do. So imagine my surprise when we walk into the auditorium and there's nobody there. Ghost town. Now, eventually, you know, maybe another dozen people wandered in, but for the most part, it was just us. And I'm sitting there going, this doesn't bode well. If the Twittersphere has already gotten the word out that this movie's a huge piece of shit, 
Who cares? Because I'm with good company and we always have a good time. And it's in 3D, yo. Let's see some hot hunks with the shirts off in the third dimension with pokey nipples coming right at you. You know what? On second thought, that doesn't sound appetizing at all. But I am way off topic here. This is such a disappointment of a film. Now, now what do you mean, Patrick? What do you mean you're disappointed? You said it was going to be bad. Yeah, but it was the bad kind of bad. There was so much potential for camp. And, you know, I'm not looking for the next Piranha. You know, that kind of camp. But I don't know. It just was... It had this... I don't know. It just was missing something. It had a terrible, terrible, terrible script. First of all, it's called Shark Night, okay? And about halfway through the movie, I turned to uh, whoever was sitting next to me, and I said, where are the sharks? Now, let me get this straight. We have seen some sharks. There have been some shark attacks, but what we have seen has been very, very scant and very, very brief. Yes, I won't be swimming, and rah, they're attacked, and it's over. Or they're out swimming, and yunk, they get junked. Sucked under the water and you don't see anything. I'm going, where are the sharks? Where are the sharks? Send in the sharks. Plus, it's called Shark Night, and I'd say 75% of the movie takes place in the daytime. But at least it wasn't 3D, so that part of the title was true. Personally, at this point in the movie, I started thinking, perhaps Shark Night would have been a more appropriate title for the movie. Shark Night. It would have been more fun. It would have been grosser. Shut up. Anyway. Instead of writing a humorous script or, or just engaging characters, I don't know, I guess it's the modern horror movie trap. You have to bog everything down with backstory and some angsty relationship and forget everything else. So everything that was happening was, you know, the sharks, the other characters were all playing back fiddle, like really, really back, back fiddle to uh, this boring ass crap with, with just painful, painful dialogue. Now... Something interesting happened after we watched this movie. Because we're standing in the lobby, you know, kind of talking and rolling our eyes. And I realized, I, I, I discovered, well, I, I branded a new subgenre of horror. It is the one bitch genre. Shark Night 3D is what I now call a one bitch movie. What does that mean, Patrick? Well, I'm going to tell you. This is the kind of movie, horror movie, that drives me crazy. I've mentioned it on the show before because... Everybody dies because of one bitch. Nobody else did anything wrong or had anything to do with anything, and they all get killed because of this one bitch. Because somebody's pissed off at this one bitch, and they have to murder everybody she knows because of what this one bitch did. And everybody gets killed except the one bitch. So it's a one bitch movie. Now, I don't know if this is playing internationally or not, and uh, I know some of you folks, I know I have some international listeners out there, the whole concept of this movie is that they're on a lake. And all of a sudden, there's every breed of shark in this lake. Everything. Hammerheads, tiger sharks, white, uh, great whites, lemon sharks, nurse sharks, everything. Cookie cutter sharks, which is a new one by me. Oh my goodness, how did they get there? Well, it's a saltwater lake. Well, that's convenient. But how did they get there? Well, I'll tell you how they get there. By the way, I'm spoiling the shit out of this. Okay. Now, as I said, the girl, I don't remember her name. The character's name. Lead bitch. The one bitch. She's in her, you know, senior college, and you know, she hasn't been back to her lake house, you know, since she left high school. She hasn't been there in three years after the breakup with this douche dude who just, I, I, as soon as he came on camera, I'm like, Rapey McRaperson, you know, he's really handsome. He used to be on the OC. I think his name is Chris Carmick, and he just looks like a douche. And, 
know, he's like the local scuba teacher and stuff, and he's the hunk everybody wants to get with, and she dated him for three years in high school. And then when she broke it off, he got really mad. What happened was, he tried to drown her. He took her out scuba diving with a tank that was half full and then wouldn't give her the, the, the you know, the hose. Well, not the hose, but you know what I mean, <laughs> the air hose. And was going to let her drown. She freaked out. She took off in the boat, and in the process, she hit him in the face with the propeller and left him permanently scarred. And anyway, now she's back for the first time in three years. And so to prepare, him and his hillbilly friend, who's played by Joshua Leonard from um, The Blair Witch Project, they've stocked the entire lake with sharks. Because I guess they knew at some point she was going to come back with her college friends. I guess they, were, they knew she was coming back this particular weekend. Okay, whatever. And not only have they stocked the lake with sharks, the sharks all have little video cameras attached to them. So yeah, so not only are the, shark, the sharks attacking and eating people, it's being recorded for rebroadcast because they've got the idea they can make money off of this because what's the most popular, you know, week-long event on TV? That's right, Shark Week. So clearly, if there's an audience for that, there's, a, there's an audience for taking it one step further. And you know, Sally, they're right about that. So, okay, are you with me so far? At no point, however, does it explain how they paid for these sharks, where they got these sharks, how they got the sharks into the lake without anybody noticing, and whose job was it to strap the cameras to the shark? How did that all work? Because that seems like a really suck-ass job to me. Call me crazy. Does that ever get explained? They didn't even touch on that? No. That's the kind of backstory I want to know. I don't care about your fucking high school relationship. This was a fucking high school relationship. 19,000 people got eaten by sharks because of your little high school fling. Fuck y'all. Fuck you, bitch. Fuck you, one bitch. So anyway, we're all tied up in this ridiculous revenge plot, which is focusing more on, you know, her, oh, I haven't been here in three years, and angst, 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 and oh, is the nerd guy going to get her or not? even though they focus no time on that at all. And, you know, the other characters are barely even touched on. Now, among the other characters, you got some cool character actors like Joel David Moore from uh, Hatchet and, and Spiral and, you know, uh, Avatar. He's normally hilarious, and nothing that comes out of his mouth is funny. That's how bad the script is. Joel David Moore cannot make this dialogue funny. Now, I think he's dating Catherine McPhee, you know, who was on American Idol. And, I don't know, she's like all... To me, she's all like sweetie, wholesome... You know, girl next door type, but she or she's like this tattooed slut, which, okay, you know, stretch your wings, baby, but... Oh, but wait, you do get to see like a two-minute scene of her peeing at a rest stop on camera. Oh, sure, don't show us any shark attacks, but let us watch Catherine McVie, America's Sweetheart, piss in a seedy rest stop while the gross hillbilly cashier is watching on a closed-circuit camera. That's perfectly all right, but don't give me any fucking sharks. Fuck you! There's just nothing going on. I mean, and this this geek guy who's the hero. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting geek in air quotes because this guy is chiseled. He is buff and he is chiseled. I mean, he is the most well-worked-out geek I have ever seen in my life. But while I'm going to complain about it, by all means, keep your shirt off. Thank you. I mean, was the movie awful? No, but it wasn't good either. And one of the big problems of it was, okay, it was PG-13. And... I know lots of people have lots of controversial points of view on the PG-13 rating. And, you know, in recent years, people have pushed the envelope on what you can get away with in a PG-13 movie, like Paranormal Activity and um, Drag Me to Hell or, um, what was the other one? Cloverfield. You know, they were striving up. You can see that they were like, eh, 
let's see how far we can push this envelope. I don't know. You know, they were like, we're, maybe we're okay. We can get an R. We're going to see how much we can get away with before we get an R. While this was kind of playing down the other way, let's see how much we can soft pedal this so that we really, really get this PG-13. So there's very little blood. There's very little, you know, action at all. Like I said, most of the time you just see somebody get sucked down under the water or, you know, the sh you just see the big mouth coming at them and that's it. And it's, it's fine, but... You know, I'm sorry, for 20 bucks, I want more than that, goddammit. I mean, you don't necessarily need the gore if you can build some suspense, but this didn't even try to generate any suspense, bitches. I don't want to have the running time padded out with not one, but two, two traveling montages that are set to some, you know, some crap pop music. You know, because first you get the driving montage for three minutes, and then you get the boating montage. Because apparently, this lake is huge. It's so huge, yet these people are the only people getting attacked by sharks because there's clearly nobody else on this entire lake. Whatever. One curious thing that, 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 that happens here, of course, you know, when, uh, when you see the trailer for something like this, you're like, well, with any kind of aquatic terror film, I'm like, well, why don't you just stay out of the water? All right, they tried to get around this one. Uh, what happens is uh, this, this black character, who I'll come back to later, He's out water skiing, he gets attacked, and he gets his arm bitten off. And then, you know, he doesn't die, but they have to get him medical help. So they keep trying to get him medical help, and sharks attack. Okay. But, you know, they send up flares that nobody sees. The dock explodes. Like, literally explodes. Like, huge Michael Bay explosion, and nobody sees that. The bonfire burns all night. Nobody sees it. Whatever. But this black guy, later on, you know, he finds out that his fiance was eaten, and he's like, oh, oh. I must get the revenge, because that's how we do it. That's how we do it in South Philly. You take one of mine, I take one of yours. And he goes out, and he stands on the edge of the lake with a spear, waiting for the shark to come. Not so bad, right? But there was... I thought it was me at first, because I'm going, that's not a harpoon. It's not a fishing spear. That's a jungle spear. Like, all it needed was some, you know, palm fronds around the end of it, and it would have been some ungabunga thing you see on the safari cruise at... Disney World, and then he, he was throwing the spear around, so I'm like, we, we, we have a, the, black, the one black character chucking a spear. Really? Are they really doing this? Did they really just make the one black character a spear chucker? And I'm thinking this, and I'm feeling guilty for thinking this, but then all of a sudden, somebody who's not with our group at the back of the theater yells out, oh no, you didn't! Oh no, you didn't! Just made the only brother in this damn movie chuck a motherfucking spear, motherfucker! And I said, okay, not just me. And it's been popping up in interview and uh, in articles all over the internet. Everybody's buzzed at the shocking thing in this movie. And really, well, I, you might be reading too much into it, but you know, it's Shark Night 3D. Who the fuck is going to see this after opening weekend? It's going to disappear forever. And you know what? It's a terrible thing when you're at a movie and you have some hope for it, that moment when your heart sinks, when you realize this ain't going to work. And it happened almost right away. The opening scene, it's a random couple. Swimming out in the pool. She takes her top off, but you don't see it. The guy's like, hey, let's go have sex in the water, but first I'm going to get something to eat. So he leaves her there in the water. Okay. She gets eaten by a shark, and that's all you hear about it. Apparently he never noticed, because it comes up later on like, yeah, we tested it out on that girl at the dock last week. She went missing and nobody cared. I'm like, where was her boyfriend? When he went for food, did he go to Tallahassee? You know, did he, did he, did he, did he? I don't know. It's just stupid. It's a stupid movie. But not the good kind of stupid. It's just poorly put together. If it had, if it, even a sci-fi movie, even fucking Make a Shark versus Giant Octopus, even 
whatever that other one was with Debbie Gibson. Mega Python versus Gatorade. Had a snarky sense of humor to it, and it knew it was bad. This has no idea. This is actually trying to be good, and it's not. So don't do it. Actually, you know what? One more thing. Just to rub in your face how bad the movie is, if you stay to the end of the credits. Well, eh, hold on. Let me back up. We're watching the closing credits, and the music credits are going by, and I saw the last song credit. You know, it was performed by, and I'm like, that's all the cast. That's Joel David Morton and Catherine McVie and Dustin Milligan. These are all the people that are in the movie. I'm saying that to somebody. And then just as we're walking out, a music video starts. The whole cast did this ra- uh, hardcore rap music video about the entire plot of the movie. That was hilarious. It was hilarious. And if anything's going to be remembered after this movie is long gone, it's going to be this music video. Because it's the only thing that makes it stand out. It was hilarious and said, that's what the movie should have been. If you guys had that in you, I need to be seeing that for the last thirty minutes, uh, hour and 30 minutes. So fuck you. God damn it. Fuck you and the hammerhead you wrote in on. Although this movie did introduce me to the cookie cutter shark, which I'd never heard of before. And that one kind of freaked me out. It's a smaller kind of shark if you haven't heard of it. And it's got a round sort of a mouth. And when it bites you, it latches onto you. But it doesn't just bite. It burrows. It, start, it spins its whole body around. And basically, the circular mouth just cut, takes out a huge cookie cutter shape of flesh. And ew, that's gross. Now, what would a trip to the movies be without me telling you some of the stuff that happened along the way? And this particular story starts not, not this time, but the last time I hung out with the Dark Side Horror Movie Meetup group. Uh, I can't remember what we were doing. That's really not the point right now. But at that time, Nix, uh, who won Scream Queen of the Week several months ago, um, her boyfriend, Rich, is, is the leader of the group, and she told me something about him. And I said, oh, I got to bring this up on the show. And I forgot. We're sitting around the bar before the movie starts, and I said, hey, Nix, you know, I never mentioned what you told me about Rich last time when I saw you. And she's like, oh, oh, are you going to talk about that on the show? I'm like, yeah. She's like, please don't. I'm like, I must. And she's like, oh, so she told Rich. And Rich was like, what did you tell him? What did you tell him? She's like, I can't tell you. I can't. Tell. She's like, what did you tell me? He's like, Are you gonna make a fool out of me, Patrick? Are you gonna embarrass me? Are you gonna make me? I, 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 he was all nervous and stuff. The whole night he was all nervous, and I'm like, Yes, I am going to embarrass you. I am going to make you cry. No, it's not that bad. The only thing that happened was Nix had said to me, She's like, You know what, Rich? Since he's been listening to your show all the time, he started to turn into you. You know, he started to sound like you all the time because we're on the subway, you know, and all of a sudden he's looking at the people on the subway at this, with the flip-flop sandals and their nasty feet. And he's saying things like, what the fuck is she thinking? Look at the, why would you be wearing flip-flops with feet like that with your fucking bunions hanging out and your fucking tangled toes? It's disgusting. Wear some flip-flops that fit. Your toes are hanging out the front and dragging along on the ground. What the fuck? Like, yeah, that does sound like me. And then when I got home that day, he had posted a picture of a drunk girl that was on the subway with him. I'm like, yep, he's turning into me, so rich. I have infected you. <laughs> I have plant. I was going to say I've planted my seed inside of you, but that just sounds filthy. Any day now, you'll start to feel the craving for brunch with complimentary Cosmos. And then you know you're doomed. So Shark Night, I, I, it's a rental because even the 3D is nothing to write home about. And, um, you know, maybe with a bunch of drunk people. No, no, just forget it. Just forget it. You know, and I would have played that song from that music video, but it's nowhere online yet because I guess they know that's the best part of the movie. So they're not going to link it. So fuck you, Shark Knight. Take a bite out of my ass. Hi there. Come 
Nelson! Hi, Zombart. Hey, Patrick. It's Zombart. Yeah. Uh, just calling in with a quick review. Um, I got to go see a um, new movie that's coming out pretty soon here that I think a lot of people are interested in. Um, I saw, just saw Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Cool. And this is a movie uh, Guillermo del Toro put together, and apparently it's been a passion project of his for years and years, and he's talking about mm-hmm. uh, that he wanted to do this since before he did the Hellboy movies, and that wow. he's always wanted to remake this old classic story or whatever. And then I saw articles about him talking about how great it is to have a rated R horror movie and that this is a really long sentence. to go for a PG-13 nowadays and all this lovely stuff. So, anyway, I went to see this movie expecting it to be the best horror movie ever. I'm thinking, oh, well, then okay, you this fucked yourself. Toro, so this is going to be like Orphanage. This is going to be like uh, Pan's Labyrinth. He didn't direct it, idiot. Hellboy 2 I love. Um, and I gotta tell you, just in general, eh, it was okay. Eh. It, it's basically, I'm not gonna give you any spoilers, <laughs> just because it's still not out yet. It's not gonna be out for two weeks, I don't think. Well. Um, <laughs> but go ahead and start getting your, you know, let down your anticipation a little bit. It's a good film. It's just, Nothing new. Really, nothing new. Well, it's, it's based on a 70s TV movie. What do you expect? Of, it's based on something like old, you dumbass. Uh, child of hell. Uh, parents just don't understand. Um, same old, same old, same old. I mean, you could go through the beats of the movie, and it matches like pretty much every haunted house kind of thing there is. It's, yeah, it also matches oh, every Guillermo del Toro movie with, ever like, made, too. Um, yeah. A flashback kind of thing, and oh, there's all these, there's something terrible, and then later it's like, oh, this thing is slowly coming out, we see little pieces of it, and then later on, oh, it's a fully all the way out, oh, and the whole time you're like, why don't you just get out of the house? Why, why are you doing all this? Why is, even with, you know, Blatant evidence. No one believes anything, and it's like, it's like, eh, jaded. I, I think jaded. Jaded. Uh, take something you like, like macaroni and cheese, and I love macaroni and cheese. And let's say you have the best macaroni and cheese ever. It's still good, but it's still just macaroni and cheese. I think this is what it is. It's well done. For, and it's got good atmosphere. There are some good scares. I think the best scare is in the trailer, sadly. I think that is the best scare. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like you, you know what's going to happen. I, I knew everything that was going on. I knew every beat, and there was no surprising, and it just ended. And I was like, oh, okay. Perfectly serviceable film. Nothing uh-huh. new. Jaded. So I, I, I would almost say... It might be worth it to see with a house full of people because I saw it with a lot of people that reacted a lot better than I did to it. Maybe for me, once I 
knew what the monster creature go, you know, I, was, I knew what the bad thing was. Ah, that was the problem. Was like, ding, oh. ding, 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 ding. Okay, so that's one of these. And I was kind of over it. Um, yeah, it just, it, it just didn't do anything. But, yeah, it's, I guess it's okay. So, I'll, I'll give it a, a, a C plus. There's nothing, I, can, I mean, you can pick holes in it if you want to get nitpicky. Uh, a thousand like you have been for alive. four minutes now. This wasn't. This is this. But if you just go in for atmosphere, then it's a nice scare. So, yep, that's my review. Don't be afraid of the dark. Um, see it if it's free. See it if it's in the crowd. See it alone at night under under a blanket if that will help the, the the fear. But just don't be expecting anything on the level of the orphanage, which still freaks that's me out. That's your problem. And also, I have no idea why this movie's rated R. There's very little blood. I think there's one season blood in it, and it should it could have been PG. Really, no, it I, I don't know what the deal was. No, it couldn't. Um, but there it is. Hope you're having a good day. Bye. Cheers. Okay, for those of you who are confused about him saying that the movie's not out yet. You might remember on the last show, I said that Zombar called in like four times, and most of the calls were about movies that weren't out yet or weren't in wide release. This is one of those calls. So, at the time, the movie was not out, but it's out now, so let us talk about it freely. Zombar, you make me sad. You can't. Why do you do that? Why do people do that? Why do people go in expecting the best movie ever based on other movies? You can't do that. Every movie is, is its own thing. You have to take everything on its own. Why set your sights up that high? You know damn well when you do that, it always fails. It almost always fails. Why set yourself up for failure and then blame the filmmaker? It's your own damn fault, jaded, 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 jady face. Anyway, I enjoyed it. Um, it's got its problems, but I thought, well, like as Trey was talking about uh, when he called um, uh, last show, was talking about how movies don't have atmosphere or mood anymore. This movie was dripping in atmosphere and mood. The mood and the atmosphere was driving the movie. That's what was really working for me. Um, Gothic mansion that they're in, is it, it's, it's really over the top. As soon as I saw the house, I was like, really? Really? But then I remember the original movie was supposed to be in a mansion. It was a tacky-ass mansion from the 70s, but... You say, oh, it has the old table. It also just has all the same tropes that pretty much every Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro movie has. It's got the big creaky house or the big creaky estate. It's got a little girl who's misunderstood and just uh, the other thing and or, or child is misunderstood if it's that you're talking about the devil's backbone. So don't go complaining about that if you like Guillermo del Toro so much. But anyway, I do agree the best scare was in the trailer. However, when it came up in the movie, it still scared the shit out of me. So that's a pretty good scare in my opinion. I knew damn well it was coming, and it still scared the shit out of me. Here's my problem with the movie. The script. It's got that modern Hari... Hari. The thing I just talked about with Shark Knight, it's got that need to go backstory, 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 and not leave any questions whatsoever about what you're dealing with. I just saw the original um, TV movie from 1973 a couple months ago, and I I sent a a link uh, uh, to Kristen, because she asked for it, and it just came out on DVD as well. They never really explained what the hell was in the furnace, what the hell these little things were. It didn't really matter. And it was confusing. Like, it seemed to be there were ancestors somehow, but how did that work? And at the end of the movie, you were just like, what happened? What's happening? What were those things? Why did they do all this? This is terrible. And that's what gave us nightmares. That's what terrified an entire generation of children. That is why Guillermo del Toro wanted to remake this movie. Because I gotta tell you, when you see the monsters in that original TV movie, they are laughable. They're men in suits. And it looks like those old Sid and Marty Croft live-action Saturday morning things like Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Where, you know, 
<laughs> where they just like build every all the other furniture to scale to make them teeny tiny. You know, so you have a big giant lamp and a big giant book of matches or whatever, and it, it just looks stupid. So it wasn't the monsters that was scary. It was that ending. It was the mystery. It was the that sort of thing. And they they hammered home what the hell these things were. They just drew the whole damn picture and the whole damn backstory. And I'm just shut up. And then they made the mistake of showing them too much. They were much scarier when they were just scuttling around in the dark. By the end of the movie, I was quite accustomed to their face. And they started to remind me of Spike from Gremlins. Had they just stayed in the dark, it would have been a hell of a lot better. But overall, I enjoyed it because the mood just reached out and enveloped me. And that happens so rarely these days. And something I just got to say, they did a really smart thing. And they didn't actually remake the first film. This actually felt like another movie from the same world. You know, another movie, completely different story involving the same creatures. There are some elements from the first movie, there's some dialogue from the first movie, but they scrapped everything. If you go back and watch this original TV movie, you're going to be bored to death because it's so TV movie. And it's, the woman's just so stupid. And it takes two hours to get going and has some scary parts. But overall, if you want to talk about tropes, it's the exact same thing that happens in this movie. Nobody believes her, despite obvious evidence. So... There! And the fact that it's in this cheesy 70s house that's all like brightly lit and, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? plastic on the furnitures, putting it in a dark, scary castle already, like, uh, amped it up because that movie didn't have any mood at all. But for an American big studio release, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark is pretty damn good. And here's the reason why it got an R. The intensity level. Yeah, there's not a lot of blood and there's not a lot of language, but what happens is intense. This isn't a spoiler because it happens in the first five minutes. In the first five minutes, you see a woman get her teeth knocked out with a chisel. Someone takes the chisel to this woman's screaming mouth. And it's pretty grisly, even though you don't see anything. Because you know what's happening, and it's awful. And also, almost all of the violence is towards a child. You can't put that in a PG movie these days. They won't allow that, smarty pants. But thank you for getting it in under four minutes this time. My buzzer grows rusty without you. Next call. Hey, Patrick. It's uh, Mel from Toledo, Ohio. Uh, oh, I just wanted to call let you know that I'm um, new to the show and <gasps> I'm thoroughly enjoying what I'm hearing. Wait! I um, no, wanted wait, to take wait. time out to uh, give you my condolences uh, concerning your sister. I'm sorry oh, to hear oh, that. Thank and, you. And uh, I hope things, uh, you know, I hope things do go easy. Um, you know, there's not much I can really say about that other than, you there's know. There's not much I, to say. I, you know, I, I pray that you, you know, get some, you know, peace with this and your family as well. Um, nice. But uh, the big reason why I called is uh, uh, last show uh, you were talking about tales that witness madness, and uh, of the uh, four different tales that they uh, covered, uh, the one entitled Mel, uh, of course, uh, made me had to actually go ahead and watch that. That's and, you. Uh, see what I thought about it. It was um, you. Overall, actually, you were right. It was a very fun movie, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it reminded me a lot. Uh, of the old uh, Hitchhiker series on HBO or Tales uh, from the Crypt or, you know, even some goosebumps there, uh, you know, especially with the first episode with the uh, Kid and the Tiger, um, you know, minus the blood, you know, in, in places, uh, it, it probably could have passed for a decent uh, uh, Goosebumps episode. Um, yeah. Didn't really yeah. care too much for the uh, the segment with Uncle Albert. That sucks. Apparently Uncle Albert's uh, evil design was to send someone back in time so that he, they could date his girlfriend for him because, yep. you know, he needed, you know, someone to put the moves on her for him. I didn't get it. And, you know, if you didn't actually do that, 
you know, well, you know, all hell was going to break loose. And, you know, ultimately, you know, he was more than willing to, without ruining anything, um, you know, <laughs> make sure you were highly motivated to, you know, get him some tail back in the past. So stupid. Um, uh, the fourth segment uh, with Chemo and the uh, the sacrifice, um, it, the, the Mama Lou's God Stick, looking like a gooey-eyed Muppet, kind of killed that. Yeah, I forgot about that. That showed up and it was supposed to actually kind of scare you and disorient you. I kept thinking of Manamana. It's God. Uh, so that kind of ruined things and made me laugh through it as opposed <laughs> to actually, you know, feeling disturbed. But overall, it, it did have <laughs> no, a, that a is pretty scary. good um, uh, gristle to it with, you know, um, uh, Kino, uh, you know, talking with, uh, I can't remember the, uh, the character's name at the time, but uh, uh, the mother of the intended victim. Yeah, Kim know, Novak. And she's actually hitting on him while uh, his associate is actually butchering uh, the daughter. There was kind of a, <laughs> butchering you know, her butt naked. Part. But her ultimately, butt naked. Uh, my favorite was Mel because you know honestly, that was you know where the only you know serious tree nudity was in the whole <laughs> picture and you know and there was some serious tree nudity there uh, was it was wow. hardcore just yeah i don't know what you would rate that but you no, know, know it had you know you know ugh. well it didn't have tree giant at least. and you know my uh netflix actually had killed out in the middle of that part <gasps> so i kind of got cut off right when he was undressing the first of the wood boobs and that was just the wrong place to leave <laughs> off um but uh overall just very creepy um not a whole lot of scares but you know no. fun and i really appreciate the recommendation you're welcome um, what but I do. uh i do enjoy your show and i hope you keep listening talk to you later bye mel thank you so much for calling in and welcome to the show man i'm glad to have you here we're all glad to have you here. One of us, one of us, one of us. Anyway, I'm very glad you liked uh, Tales That Witness Madness. Um, and also, I'm really glad that you called in about this movie because two reasons. First of all, I forgot to mention something last week in my description of the show that was one of my favorite things. I was looking all over to see if I can get like a, 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 a still of this particular shot, but I couldn't get it. But there's a scene in that fourth scene with Kim Novak. She's in the kitchen talking about the luau. She's got this green muumuu on. And at some point, she picks up two pineapples. And she's walking around talking. But she's holding them right in front of her boobs with, with, the, green, with the green bristly things in the nipple area. And she walks around like with these pineapple boobs the whole scene. And I'm still a junior high student in my head. I'm like, ah, ah, pineapple boobs. Ah, ah. And it had to be intentional. It had, because it was just so silly. It was so wonderfully silly. And the other reason I wanted to bring it up is because when I was at truck night the other day, and we're hanging out before the film, uh, one of the girls from Dark Side, she says, oh, hey, thank you so much for recommending that movie. That was really a lot of fun. I said, great, I'm glad you liked it. And she said, I love that last segment with the luau. You were right, it had this totally freaky gay sensibility. It was like Mommy Dearest if it was in Hawaii and with cannibals. Uh, Yes. That's exactly right. I couldn't have said it better myself. Anyway, great to meet you, Mel. Welcome to the party. Stick around for a while. I'm at my margaritas. Uh, but whatever you do, don't eat Mr. Bradford's bean dip. You've all been warned. Hey, Patrick. This is the son of Odin calling. Uh, just wanted to let you know that uh, 
sounds like you're going through some rough times here with your sister and stuff. And yes, I have been there and really understand and am very impressed that you're still delivering a quality show in the process. So just want to let you know I'm sending some positive energy your way. You know, hope everything works out for the absolute best. So good luck to you and yours. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for that call, sir. Uh, I appreciate all the good thoughts that we can get at the time being. Um, it is very sweet of you. And I got to say, son of Odin, that if the son of a Norse god is calling in to, to wish us, you know, the best, we're going to kick ass. We got Valhalla on our side, bitches. Um, and, you know, I realize I haven't called in before, but playing the first caller bell, first time caller bell, but just seems so gauche. Son of Odin. The bell, the first time caller bell, is ringing in my heart. But seriously, thank you for calling. Hi, Patrick. It's Kristen from Michigan. Hey, Kristen uh, from I Michigan. I just wanted to call in on the um, voicemail that Trey left about yes. horror losing its touch over the past few years. Okay. Um, honestly, I think it's not so much that it's lost its touch. It's just that a lot of people really aren't into it right now. I think it's hmm. because the national climate is so grim and they're trying to make us feel all depressed and scared and worried about everything from, you know, bees missing to the economy and everything. And so people really don't want things that are going to make them feel depressed or sad and that, you know, can happen from watching horror movies. Yeah. Like, True. I know if I'm, like, really depressed or something and I watch horror, I tend to get more depressed. Mm, okay. And even, like you said, you may be feeling like some of the things you've been watching you had a lower opinion of because of what's going on in you, your personal life. And, well, a different opinion. Well, yeah. that's true. A lot of people do take what they're feeling into what they're watching, and so it kind of goes along those lines, I think. Because, honestly, there is some really good horror movies coming out, there are really good horror movies coming out, but they're mostly foreign. Yes, I have noticed and that. And they're, or they're, you know, under the radar, like mm -hmm. art house, low budget, independent films. Yeah, that would make sense. And they're really not getting mentioned. I mean, I know I've seen some really good Asian horror movies that have uh -huh. come out. Mr. Brad loves those. Um, In the past few years. And I know that, you know, I just saw Wakewood, which just came out, which was absolutely phenomenal and it was from ireland so mm -hmm. i mean there are good horror movies out there you just really gotta kind of dig for them i know i'm always digging and um i just wanted to say that in um, my butt <laughs> i loved hatchet i bought it after i watched it because i loved the characters and it made me laugh and thank you it was so funny i agree i haven't had a chance to see the second one yet it's sitting here eh, i have it right. on netflix but i haven't had a chance to watch it yet but anyway that's what i had to say for now and I got my package today. Thank Yay! you very much. I'm very excited about it. And I will watch it as soon as I am able. And I will call back and leave my opinion. Excellent. Thank you again. Bye. Kristen, well done. Excellent call. There's a lot to, a lot of meat to chew on. And you know how I love that. Oh. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I see your point. I see your point about the, the... There's so much fear being shoved down our throat on a daily basis every time you turn on the TV or the radio or open up a newspaper that maybe people just don't want it anymore. That's possible. I also think that the people... Well, you mentioned that the, the good stuff is not coming out of America 
big studios, which I think is absolutely true because the people who are holding the purse strings now are not artists. They are business people and everything's about demographics and um, towing the line, never taking risks that are too big because, you know, there's always box office to worry about. And um, I'm just trying to think, like during the Depression, I know Shirley Temple was the biggest box office star so that was and you know musicals were the most popular thing happy musicals that makes sense and i I don't know what's the most popular thing right now i guess it would be action movies which i I really don't know how that translates um although you know now that i think of it um after 9-11 that was when all the really vicious horror movie stuff came out like that's when the torture porn took off even from big studios so i don't know what's going on because uh, from what I'm reading, I just read an article, I think it was in Entertainment Weekly, one of the trade papers that I, that I look into every week, that they said like the horror genre has been, has never been more popular or more prosperous or whatever term they use. But just because it's popular and prosperous doesn't mean it's quality. And you're absolutely right about foreign movies. That is where some really, really great stuff is coming from. And uh, you, you got to dig because nobody's going to promote anything that's not from a studio here. And for those of you... Uh, the rest of you out there, I should say, who are wondering, what package is Kristen talking about? Well, kids, you might remember that I had a contest a couple of weeks ago. Remember that one? You know, I had a, you guys had to do your homework and find out what that, that, well, you had to say douche canoe on my voicemail and to get the big mystery prize. And Kristen was the winner and she just received her copy of All About Evil, Peaches Christ, Blood Splattered Camp God damn it, should be a classic film all about evil, which I reviewed, I believe, on episode two, sort of. I should probably revisit that because we didn't really talk about it because it wasn't out yet, you know, for the general population. But that's not the point right now. In other words, I give out good prizes, god damn it. So when I gave, when I announce a contest, you jump, motherfuckers. Because this queen don't give out nothing. I'm not one of those houses that give out raisins for Halloween. No, no, no. I'll give you a whole bag of the candy. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I don't know. The first thing that popped into my head was Milk Duds, and that just sounds like I'm going to crap on you. But anyway, this has gone way off the charts. Way, way off the charts. So in order to save ourselves, I think it is time to cut the cord and I'll just wrap this puppy up for another week. Thank you so much for joining me again. It's always wonderful to have uh, some time with you guys hanging out in your ear holes and stuff. And, uh, hey, if you want to be like all the cool people who called in this week, you can pick up the phone and give me a call at 347-767-3509. Or, or you can be old school and write me an email at crew at screamqueens.com. And that's queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. And you can just shake that ass bitch and let me see what you got. So for next time, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to be doing yet because Bradford and I had decided to get out of New York City, you know, during all these September 11th memorial hoo-ha because, uh, you know, we have enough of that on a day-to-day basis. So we're hitting the road like Thelma and Louise, but hopefully with a happier ending. And we're heading down to Asheville, North Carolina to go check out the Biltmore House. So we'll be driving down Route 81. So if any of you screamers out there live along that route, why don't you get in contact with get in contact with me on Facebook or Twitter or email and let me know where you are because maybe we can meet up for lunch. Maybe we can do each other's hair and give each other facials. And you know, I'm gonna let that double entendre just sit there because you know, hey, I rule nothing out. <laughs>
of course. But here's some things that might be coming up on the horizon. I know I have free passes to go see Creature, the new uh, Sid Haig movie, on this Thursday. So I might be talking about that if it's worth talking about. But here's your homework assignment. If those of you who have Netflix or Netflix Instant Watch, this was just added, and I mentioned it earlier in the show. It's called uh, Leslie Jordan, My Life Down the Pink Carpet. Now, uh, we saw the show. It's a live performance, and we saw the show when it was in New York. And this is a one-hour version of it, slightly shorter, that was filmed in Atlanta. And if you don't know who Leslie Jordan is, he's most famous for, uh, he was on Will and Grace. He was Karen's arch nemesis, the little tiny short guy, real big queen. And he was also in the movie and television series Sorted Lives. So most of you folks from the South will know that one. But this one-man show of his is just about his life in Hollywood and becoming, you know, going from this incredibly effeminate queen, queeny gay man to, you know, someone who won an Emmy and made a, made a name for himself, and finally accepted himself, and battling addiction and everything. It's a wonderfully funny hour, and it's it's very moving and very powerful stuff in there. And even if you're straight, I think you'll learn something here about you know what it means to be masculine, and and loving yourself regardless. And you'll also laugh a whole fuck lot because this man is hilarious. So that's Leslie Jordan. My life down the pink carpet. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Um, they did a pretty good job transfer because, like I said, they cut it down to an hour. So some of our favorite stuff was left out. So we were, we were sad about that. You'll not know the difference. However, the one thing that was just heinous um, in the live show, he used a lot of popular music for some segments, you know, because music is such a, an important part of a queen's life. So clearly they couldn't get the rights to these songs for DVD distribution, things like, you know, I Will Survive and other gay anthems like that. And so whenever these segments come up, he's like, oh, I love this song. And he starts telling them, like, what he was doing when this song was out. But they've just covered it up with this awful music. He's stuff that's like, do, 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 do. It just does not fit anything that's going on. And he's dubbed his voice over it, too, so you can kind of tell. You can just see that something's fucked up. But that's what's fucked up about it. Don't let that stop you from watching it. Watch it, watch it, watch it. Let me know what you think. Because I like to know what's on your mind. Oh, and please, please, please sponsor me for the New York City Gay Men's Chorus Singathon coming up on Saturday, September 17th. Information about the event and the link to donate will be available on the webpage because the URL is just too damn long to read out loud. And isn't that inconvenient? But that's just life. So, until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Sister Mary Frances from your school called... She said if you insist on wearing the girl's uniform, could you at least put on a pair of damn pennies? Bye! I go hunting for witches Heads up going to roll Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! Welcome back, Mr. Jaws. You've been away for some time now. How are you doing? You and Mrs. Jaws separated following your worldwide fame and success. What do you remember most of all from the experience? Breaking up is hard to do. You haven't spoken to your wife since 1976. 
What was the last thing you actually said to her? When will I see you again? You never did see her after that. What was your opinion of it all at the time? How did fame and success affect you, Mr. Jules? Do you believe it's easier for people to find fame and fortune these days? You can get it if you really want. Wow! It's one of your victims, Mr. Jaws. He looks a bit of a mess. I wonder how he felt after his attack. What was this guy doing after you attacked him? Mr. Jaws, do you have anything to say to your many surviving victims over the years? Sorry seems to be the hardest word. What about the mechanical shark from the movie Jaws? You've had a difficult 30 years, Mr. Jaws. How do you feel right now? I feel good! But while you're still living at sea, aren't you still under some pressure? I hear you're moving to dry land soon. Where exactly will you be living? California? Los Angeles? New York! And if you don't enjoy life on dry land, what will you do? Get back to where you once belonged. Well, you're a little older now, Mr. Jaws. What are your plans for the future? Take it easy. Take it easy. How are you intending to do that then? Sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the tide roll away. You may be older now, Mr. Jaws, but everyone loves you. Do you have a message for your many fans out there? Be young, be foolish, but be happy. Well, thank you for your time, Mr. Jaws. Wait, what are you doing, Mr. Jaws? Well, what sharp teeth you have, Mr. Jaws. What a long snout. Ooh, Mr. Jaws. <laughs>